When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another Britflix Frightfest preview podcast. Today I've got with me Terry Marcel. Hello, Terry. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, what film are we talking about that's showing at Frightfest this year? We're talking about a film called Hulk the Slayer, a sword and sorcery movie. And we're also going to be talking about a crowdfunding campaign for a, a, a sequel that you're planning to make. That's correct. Yeah, we're uh, the the uh, the. That starts on the Sunday, the crowdfunder campaign, through Kickstarter. Okay. And that's for a sequel of the movie called Hulk the Hunter. Okay, cool. Now, tell me, when can people see Hulk the Slayer at the, at the Pride Fest this year? They can see it on the 30th, uh, that's the Sunday, uh, at the Prince Charles Theatre, 120, Discovery Screen 2. Fantastic, fantastic. Right. Now, the thing to tell the, uh, the younger viewers, as it were, and... Mm. I mean, bracketing myself in that one, even though I'm 43. Um, <laughs> this this Hawk the Slayer isn't isn't a new movie. It's uh, it's it's what I think they would call a cult classic. That's correct. Yeah, 35 years ago it was made. 35. And, yeah, and still uh, playing in a lot of places all over the world today. It's it's got a good audience, a lot of fans, and uh, we're delighted with the reception we're receiving already. So, if we can just rewind for a second, 35 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Now, did you, you wrote and directed this movie, yeah? I, 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 wrote, I co-wrote it with my partner, Harry Robinson, who did the film, uh, who okay. did the music for the film. Okay. And I, I directed it, yeah. Cool, cool. And it stars Jack it Palance. Stars Jack Palance and a young, a young man at that time called John Terry. Yeah. Who went up, yeah, to do various things. Indeed, he did, indeed. And, uh... In um, in classic sort of genre style, you've got this. There's um, Patricia Quinn, who's who people yeah. recognise from uh, from lots of lots of films, and yeah. and the big giant of a man who's more probably familiar to people of the Carry On series, Bernard Breslau. Yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, you know, one of my favourite parts is Galt, and uh, he has a thing going with the little dwarf in it. They were they were really terrific. He was a nice man to work with. So, do you want to give us a brief? I mean. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis of what Hawk the Slayer is about? Well, very briefly, it's a story of uh, two brothers and a magic sword. Mm. And uh, the elder brother, played by Jack Palance, yeah. wants the uh, the mind sword, as, it call, as it's called, from uh, 
um, his younger brother and strives to get it. And of course, it's one of those uh, chase and ac ac action sequences with lots of sorcery and lots of sword work in it. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, uh, the sword actually does fly into um, Hawk's hands when summoned by his mind. It's quite a simple story, but quite exciting. Oh, indeed, indeed. So, it, it, this this was the film was shot in Britain, I presume. Looking at the, looking at the trailer, yeah, it was shot down at Pinewood Studios. Okay, so I have to ask how how do you, how do you cast someone like uh, Jack Palance in in, in a British based movie? Well, strangely enough, when we uh, when we'd finally written the script and we were in a position to offer the uh, the parts to people, that means that we were financed. Yeah. Both Harry and I had thought all along that Jack Palance would be ideal, but, oh, we're never going to get him, are we? I mean, is he going to come to England to do a small picture with, a you know, an unknown director? Yes, yeah. yeah, sure, he did. He wanted to come. He loved the part, and he loves England, or he did like, love England because he's dead now. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he had a great time. He was straight into it, no problems. He was the only person we ever offered it to, and uh, we were very lucky to get him. No, no, no. It's, it's, it was quite. I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm not someone that, uh, that that's familiar with the film. And when I was looking looking back over the stuff, it was it was a pleasant surprise to see to see someone like Jack Palance appear as the bad guy because he plays. No. He's the perfect bad guy, isn't he? Oh, he was great, and he was a wonderful man to work with as well. Thirty five years is a long time. So, what? Do you, and 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 like I say, it's 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 more of a cult classic than it was. Sort of, you know, millions of people originally went out to watch it, and it stayed in their memory. So what? What do you think has been part of the secret for its kind of, I guess, ongoing sort of growth as a, as a, as a film? Strangely enough, you know, as you know, I've done a lot of interviews over the last uh, couple of months and uh, magazines and et cetera, and they've all asked me the same question. And I, I said, it's interesting about these type of movies, because when it was made, it certainly wasn't a cult classic. But over oh. the years, it, it's just suddenly there was a moment when it went from Hulk the Slayer to Hulk the Slayer, the cult classic. I think the thing about it is it's longevity, if I can say the word, um, <laughs> is it, 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 I'm not going to say it now, it's, uh, it appeals to the family, you know, the kids like it, mum, dad are quite happy to sit down and watch, watch it with the kids, um, it plays all over the world to that sort of what I call pre-watershed audience, it's a good story, I mean, you know, film is all about good stories, I think, mm. and it just is a good story. Now... If if and also thirty five years is a long time between one mm. film and then its sequel. So, yeah. what what is what's what's the tipping point for you to to now or when did the journey start with the the notion of a sequel to where we're going to be leading up to the crowdfunding campaign that you'll be launching on the thirtieth of August? Well, strangely enough. Uh... All through the years, there have been fans who've come to me and asked me to sign posters and uh, could I sign the, uh, the, L, uh, the, the LP cover or could I sign the book or was the sword available? And I've been working with uh, Andrew for some time and he turned around to me one day and he said, look, you know, he was filled in most of the, uh, you know, the inquiries. And uh, he said, you know, these couple of guys want to do an interview with you. Do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, I don't mind doing it. So we did the interview. And afterwards, we were going back to my house. And he said, you know, it's a pity you, you never did a sequel. I said, well, there is a sequel. Harry and I wrote one. And he said, well, well why don't we try to put it together? Well, what happened was we sort of punted around a little bit. 
And one of the most interesting things was there was a, one of the um, the major distribution companies in this in, in England mm. liked it for the possibility of a, a television series. Can, can, I, can I ask you there, Terry? How long ago was this? Did this incident happen? When did this happen? About Twelve months ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, so you know they said, well, you know, we think it could make a good TV series, which meant I had to go back and restructure the whole project. Yeah. Uh, and then they went out and they sort of looked, uh, talked to various companies, and there was an ex a lot of interest, but everybody said the same thing. 35 years, you know, we really need to see something. So that's when we decided to go and make a sequel. And if the sequel went out and did, did well, we would go to a television series. So that's how we got to where we are today. Okay, okay. Now, um, how you, you say you wrote it with your writing partner. Um yeah. How how long ago before then was the screenplay sort of in your back pocket, as it were? Uh, it was. It, it, we we started writing the sequel immediately after we'd finished the original movie. Amazing. So that would have been eighty one, I would think eighty two, um, because at, at the time we'd had a great response for the from the project in terms of box office. It did extremely well here. Yeah. And then uh, it was about to be released in America. And Harry and I were in America talking to the the uh, that side of the company that was handling it there when ITC went under. Oh, dear. And, yeah, everything got sold off. Hawk never uh, had its uh, theatrical release in America. And um, the sequel, I'm afraid, sort of faded away into the distance. Right, okay. So then sort of 33, 34 years later, you <laughs> the question comes up, what about a sequel? And you go, well, actually, there is one. <laughs> yeah. And strangely enough, the, the sequel that we wrote, uh, I don't know how the hell we were going to ever do it because some of the things in it can only now be done today with the technology we've got. So okay. we, we were obviously being very ambitious. What, I mean, just, I mean, it, it, it may be difficult to sort of cast your mind back to, to when you sort of originally wrote the sequel, but obviously yeah. building on a film that had already had a, a level of success. Yeah. Um, what were, as, as writers, what were the challenges? in terms of storytelling. But there's always it, a chance. It, sorry. I was just going to say, in terms of writing a sequel. Go on, sorry. Well, there's always a challenge, but, I, you know, it came quite easily. Harry and I worked well together, and, uh, uh, you know, we knew what direction we were going in, even when we wrote the first one. So it wasn't too hard. I mean, obviously, you haven't seen the movie, but at the end of the movie, the villain, Voltan, dies, mm. or is taken away by the wizards, and you know that in the sequel, he's going to come back. And so it was from that point that we, you know, we, we started the pilot, uh, sorry, the, um, the, the sequel and carried it on through there. Okay. Okay. And, and in terms of generating that script that came, what were, what were the, the sort of hard story storytelling moments to resolve? Do you remember at all in terms of developing well, that? Yeah, not really. No, because the, 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 the concept was at the end of Hawk the Slayer, uh, you obviously, uh, as I said, you see Voltan die. Hmm. Uh, it, I can and I can reveal this in the beginning of Hawk the Hunter. Mm. Voltan is brought back from the dead by the wizard-stroked elves, okay. and they want him to find a, a dark sword, which is the sword that was made before the mind sword, which is evil and has been hidden away. And of course, this particular uh, story is about the chase to get to that sword first, because who he who gets that sword first controls even more power. 
<laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Now, you, you, you're going to be launching a the Kickstarter campaign at Frightfest as part of the screening of Hawk the Slayer for, for Hawk the Hunter. So, Correct. How much, how much are you hoping to raise with the Kickstarter to make your movie? Well, believe it or not, we've got, we've got quite a lot of money in place already. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of money we're asking for. We're asking for a million dollars. Okay. And what, what will be the kind of rewards that people will be, you'll be tempting well, be, people you, with? Well, when they go to the, when they go to the Kickstarter site on the Sunday, these are some of the items that I know are up there. Okay. Uh, there will be, um, you know, the usual things like <clears throat> DVDs, uh, T-shirts, hats, all the, all the usual. But there'll be a few extra things there, which I don't think um, have been around before. Uh, there'll be, there'll be project, products mm -hmm. from the film, particularly the Mind Sword, will be, uh, in, will be available in a limited edition to certain people. Okay. Um, uh, there are certain coins that have been seen in the film that will be available to certain people. Uh, one of the big ones is, I'm not directing the sequel as it, as it happens. Okay. Um, I'm a little too old for that now, but I am, there's going to be what we call a fan day. Okay. And on the fan, on the fan day, uh, I will be directing a, a, a sequence in which Gaul and the new dwarf Hanfer are involved in a big bar fight. Right. Um, I'm directing that, and one of the rewards is uh, to be in that scene on location and to be directed by me. Should be a fun day. A lot of the press are going to come for that day as well. Fantastic. So how, how, what, what, so how much of a contribution will people have to make for, say, the sword? Uh, that, it, that hasn't been finalised yet, so I don't want to give any figures out yet. Um, okay. If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. I, th I think the, the, the people love to see, uh, to have uh, stuff that's been actually used in the film. Also, uh, you know, we, we have to mention the fact that we do have Rick Wakeman doing the music, which is, a, um, you know, an absolute coup. And I believe he's planning to release uh, about 250 limited edition um, vinyls. Fantastic, fantastic. So, I mean, that, that was what I, when I spoke to Andrew before, while I was arranging to speak to yourself, he mentioned that Rick Wakeman was a big fan of uh, oh. Hawk the Slayer. So, how did that? How did how did you find out about that? Well, it's, it was very simple, actually. We were, I mean, Harry Robertson, my partner, obviously, <laughs> you can't replace him. He's, mm. he's gone. And so, you know, we were always talking about who would actually do the music. And Rick Wakeman's name came up because of we, or we, uh, us that are involved all loved his music and we loved some of the LPs he'd done. And Andrew said, well, look, you know, I'll try and contact him. And uh, he did. And the moment he knew it was Hawk the Slayer, he said, I'm in. I don't care what it is. I'm in. And he was, he's a, one of my number one fans. And so I went to meet him. Lovely man. Absolutely fantastic. Knew exactly what I wanted, I have no problem. I think it's going to be a great score, you know, and, and, and a good tribute to Harry Robertson. Yeah, I was going to say, because it, 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 from what I could hear on the trailer for Hawk the Slayer, it, you know, it wouldn't be, a, it's, not a, it's not a massive leap of faith, is it, to imagine a Rick Wakeman score? Absolutely not. That's why we're so delighted to have him on board. How, I mean, out of interest, how does it, I mean, because you, you obviously make the film and it goes out there and, and it breathes as its life and you don't control any of that. So how, how does it feel for you when you kind of meet people like Rick Wakeman and they're like, yes, I love this and, and yes, well, I'm on board. How do you, how does that, how do you feel about things like that? 
I, I'm amazed. That, uh, to be quite honest with you, Stuart, it's amazed, amazed me over the last, oh, I would say, six months, how many people, you know, and quite well-known people, love this movie. I mean, you just think to yourself, a movie I made 35 years ago mm. has still got an enormous fan base. And, you know, I love meeting people like that, you know, and I love talking to people about it because, you know, in a way, I'm sort of proud that, you know, it's it's lasted this long, that it's had this, this sort of magical shelf life. I, it's quite amazing to me. No, no, I can imagine, I can imagine. So, so um, the, the, the campaign starts on the 30th of August, and then how long does it run, what's the, where does it run till? do you know? It runs, it runs to the end of uh, uh, September, that's okay. And then let's, let's go with the half full glass and say that all the million dollars is collected. Yeah. What's the, what's the plan for making the movie beyond then? Uh, start shooting in November. Fantastic, my word. No time at the present then. Yeah, it's all ready to go. Everybody's in place. We're, it's just a question of uh, finalising the money. And, uh, you know, once we've done that, if we get the million, we're off and running. So I presume you're going to be, you'll be at Fright Fest doing a Q&A and talking about the, the sequel, yeah? I am. I'm uh, opening the movie and then I'm sitting on stage doing a Q&A. Um, and uh, I've been asked to bring the sword with me, <laughs> which I still have. <laughs> and you'll be wielding its magic power. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to have a, a vast effect on everybody who sees it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's remind everybody, what, what's, the, what's the time slot for uh, Hulk the Slayer at Frightfest this year? I think it's 1.30 on Discovery Screen 2, Prince Charles, on the 30th. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, um, one thing I like to ask everyone that's come on the, on the preview podcast is to tell me, because we're Britflix, and Britflix is... Um, is ostensibly about supporting British movies, which obviously yeah. you're, you're part and parcel of. Um, yeah. And I've also been speaking to a lot of people from around the world because Fright Fest is a, is a big British event, so it makes sense yeah. to promote Fright Fest as a thing itself. Um, but I've been asking everybody to give me their favourite British horror film, so I'll throw that out to yourself. What would be, what would be your favourite British horror film? Favourite British horror film? Now, that's a very interesting question. I, I've always been a great fan of a, 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 a director here called Norman J. Warren. Do you know of him? I don't know. Go on, tell me more. Norman J. Warren uh, is, a, is a British director who's made some extremely interesting horror films way back, I think back a couple of several years ago. Uh, asked me to name one, and of course I can't at the moment because my mind's gone blank. But I would, I would consider that one of the unsung heroes of the horror genre in this country is Norman J. Warren. Well worth a look at some of his work, and you know, a really talented director. Norman J. Warren, right? Okay, no, I've got, I've got his, I've got his name up on the old uh, the internet as we speak. So I've got, I've got uh, Satan's Slave. I've got Bloody New Year. I've got Inseminoid. Is that the fella? That's the man. Okay, no, that's, uh, that, that looks like a rich vein for me to uh, to plough, uh, plow, yes. <laughs> well, look, Terry, thank you very much for taking time to come on the podcast to tell us all about your, your classic film and plans for making a sequel. And all the best of luck with the screening and, more importantly, best of luck with the uh, crowdfunding campaign. Stuart, thank you very much, and we appreciate any help you can give us. Thank you very much. All right, take care. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, 
Just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.